Section eleven of When God Laughs by Jack London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Section eleven. A curious fragment. The capitalist or industrial oligarch, Roger Vanderwater, mentioned in the narrative, has been identified as the ninth in the line of Vanderwaters that controlled for hundreds of years the cotton factories of the South this roger vanderwater flourished in the last decades of the twenty-sixth century after christ which was the fifth century of the terrible industrial oligarchy that was reared upon the ruins of the early republic from internal evidences we are convinced that the narrative which follows was not reduced to writing till the twenty-ninth century not only was it unlawful to write or print such matter during that period but the working class was so illiterate that only in rare instances were its members able to read and write this was the dark reign of the overman in whose speech the great mass of the people were characterized as the herd animals all literacy was frowned upon and stamped out from the statute books of the times may be instanced that black law that made it a capital offence for any man no matter of what class to teach even the alphabet to a member of the working class such stringent limitation of education to the ruling class was necessary if that class was to continue to rule one result of the foregoing was the development of the professional story-tellers these story-tellers were paid by the oligarchy and the tales they told were legendary mythical romantic and harmless but the spirit of freedom never quite died out and agitators under the guise of story-tellers preached revolt to the slave class that the following tale was banned by the oligarchs we have proof from the records of the criminal police court of ashbury wherein on january twenty seven twenty seven thirty four one john turney found guilty of telling the tale in a boozing ken of laborers was sentenced to five years penal servitude in the borax mines of the arizona desert editor's note listen my brothers and i will tell you a tale of an arm it was the arm of tom dixon and tom dixon was a weaver of the first class in a factory of that hell-hound and master roger vanderwater this factory was called hell's bottom by the slaves who toiled in it and i guess they ought to know and it was situated in kingsbury at the other end of the town from vanderwater's summer palace you do not know where kingsbury is there are many things my brothers that you do not know and it is sad it is because you do not know that you are slaves when i have told you this tale i should like to form a class among you for the learning of written and printed speech our masters read and write and possess many books and it is because of that that they are our masters and live in palaces and do not work when the toilers learn to read and write all of them they will grow strong then they will use their strength to break their bonds and there will be no more masters and no more slaves kingsbury my brothers is in the old state of alabama for three hundred years the vanderwaters have owned kingsbury and its slave pens and factories and slave pens and factories in many other places and states you have heard of the vanderwaters who has not but let me tell you things you do not know about them the first vanderwater was a slave even as you and i have you got that he was a slave 
and that was over three hundred years ago his father was a machinist in the slave pen of alexander burrell and his mother was a washerwoman in the same slave pen there is no doubt about this i am telling you the truth it is history it is printed every word of it in the history books of our masters which you cannot read because your masters will not permit you to learn to read you can understand why they will not permit you to learn to read when there are such things in the books they know and they are very wise if you did read such things you might be wanting in respect of your masters which would be a dangerous thing to your masters but i know for i can read and i am telling you what i have read with my own eyes in the history books of our masters the first vanderwater's name was not vanderwater it was vange bill vange the son of jurgis vange the machinist and laura carnley the washerwoman young bill vange was strong he might have remained with the slaves and led them to freedom instead however he served the masters and was well rewarded he began his service when yet a small child as a spy in his home slave pen he is known to have informed on his own father for seditious utterance this is fact i have read it with my own eyes in the records he was too good a slave for the slave pen alexander burrell took him out while yet a child and he was taught to read and write he was taught many things and he was entered in the secret service of the government of course he no longer wore the slave dress except for disguise at such times when he sought to penetrate the secrets and plots of the slaves it was he when but eighteen years of age who brought that great hero and comrade ralph jacobus to trial and execution in the electric chair of course you have all heard the sacred name of ralph jacobus but it is news to you that he was brought to his death by the first vanderwater whose name was vange i know i have read it in the books there are many interesting things like that in the books and after ralph jacobus died his shameful death bill vange's name began the many changes it was to undergo he was known as sly vange far and wide he rose high in the secret service and he was rewarded in grand ways but still he was not a member of the master class the men were willing that he should become so it was the women of the master class who refused to have sly vange one of them sly vange gave good service to the masters he had been a slave himself and he knew the ways of the slaves there was no fooling him in those days the slaves were braver than now and they were always trying for their freedom and sly vange was everywhere in all their schemes and plans bringing their schemes and plans to naught and their leaders to the electric chair it was in twenty two fifty five that his name was next changed for him it was in that year that the great mutiny took place in that region west of the rocky mountains seventeen millions of slaves strove bravely to overthrow their masters who knows if sly vange had not lived but that they would have succeeded sly vange was very much alive the masters gave him supreme command of the situation in eight months of fighting one million and three hundred and fifty thousand slaves were killed vange bill vange sly vange killed them and he broke the great mutiny and he was greatly rewarded and so red were his hands with the blood of the slaves that thereafter he was called bloody vange you see my brothers what interesting things are to be found in the books when one can read them and take my word for it there are many other things even more interesting in the books 
and if you will but study with me in a year's time you can read those books for yourselves ay in six months some of you will be able to read those books for yourselves bloody vange lived to a ripe old age and always to the last was he received in the councils of the masters but never was he made a master himself he had first opened his eyes you see in a slave pen but oh he was well rewarded he had a dozen palaces in which to live he who was no master owned thousands of slaves he had a great pleasure yacht upon the sea that was a floating palace and he owned a whole island in the sea where toiled ten thousand slaves on his coffee plantations but in his old age he was lonely for he lived apart hated by his brothers the slaves and looked down upon by those he had served and who refused to be his brothers the masters looked down upon him because he had been born a slave enormously wealthy he died but he died horribly tormented by his conscience regretting all that he had done and the red stain on his name but with his children it was different they had not been born in the slave pen and by the special ruling of the chief oligarch of that time john morrison they were elevated to the master class and it was then that the name of vange disappears from the page of history it becomes vanderwater and jason vange the son of bloody vange becomes jason vanderwater the founder of the vanderwater line but that was three hundred years ago and the vanderwaters of to-day forget their beginnings and imagine that somehow the clay of their bodies is different stuff from the clay in your body and mine and in the bodies of all slaves and i ask you why should a slave become the master of another slave and why should the son of a slave become the master of many slaves i leave these questions for you to answer for yourselves but do not forget that in the beginning the vanderwaters were slaves and now my brothers i come back to the beginning of my tale to tell you of tom dixon's arm roger vanderwater's factory in kingsbury was rightly named hell's bottom but the men who toiled in it were men as you shall see women toiled there too and children little children all that toiled there had the regular slave rights under the law but only under the law for they were deprived of many of their rights by the two overseers of hell's bottom joseph clancy and adolph munster it is a long story but i shall not tell all of it to you i shall tell only about the arm it happened that according to the law a portion of the starvation wage of the slaves was held back each month and put into a fund this fund was for the purpose of helping such unfortunate fellow workmen as happened to be injured by accidents or to be overtaken by sickness as you know with yourselves these funds are controlled by the overseers it is the law and so it was that the fund at hell's bottom was controlled by the two overseers of a cursed memory now clancy and munster took this fund for their own use when accidents happened to the workmen their fellows as was the custom made grants from the fund but the overseers refused to pay over the grants what could the slaves do they had their rights under the law but they had no access to the law those that complained to the overseers were punished you know yourselves what form such punishment takes the fines for faulty work that is not faulty the overcharging of accounts in the company's store the vile treatment of one's women and children and the allotment to bad machines whereon work as one will he starves once the slaves of hell's bottom protested to vanderwater it was the time of year when he spent several months in kingsbury one of the slaves could write it chanced that his mother could write and she had secretly taught him as her mother had secretly taught her 
so this slave wrote a round robin wherein was contained their grievances and all the slaves signed by mark and with proper stamps upon the envelope the round robin was mailed to roger vanderwater and roger vanderwater did nothing save to turn the round robin over to the two overseers clancy and munster were angered they turned the guards loose at night on the slave pen the guards were armed with pick handles it is said that next day only half of the slaves were able to work in hell's bottom they were well beaten the slave who could write was so badly beaten that he lived only three months but before he died he wrote once more to what purpose you shall hear four or five weeks afterward tom dixon a slave had his arm torn off by a belt in hell's bottom his fellow workmen as usual made a grant to him from the fund and clancy and munster as usual refused to pay it over from the fund the slave who could write and who even then was dying wrote anew a recital of their grievances and this document was thrust into the hand of the arm that had been torn from tom dixon's body it now chanced that roger vanderwater was lying ill in his palace at the other end of kingsbury not the dire illness that strikes you and me brothers just a bit of biliousness mayhap or no more than a bad headache because he had eaten too heartily or drunk too deeply but it was enough for him being tender and soft from careful rearing such men packed in cotton wool all their lives are exceeding tender and soft believe me brothers roger vanderwater felt as badly with his aching head or thought he felt as badly as tom dixon really felt with his arm torn out by the roots it happened that roger vanderwater was fond of scientific farming and that on his farm three miles outside of kingsbury he had managed to grow a new kind of strawberry he was very proud of that new strawberry of his and he would have been out to see and pick the first ripe ones had it not been for his illness because of his illness he had ordered the old farm slave to bring in personally the first box of the berries all this was learned from the gossip of a palace scullion who slept each night in the slave pen the overseer of the plantation should have brought in the berries but he was on his back with a broken leg from trying to break a colt the scullion brought the word in the night and it was known that next day the berries would come in and the men in the slave pen of hell's bottom being men and not cowards held the council the slave who could write and who was sick and dying from the pick-handle beating said he would carry tom dixon's arm also he said he must die anyway and that it mattered nothing if he died a little sooner so five slaves stole from the slave pen that night after the guards had made their last rounds one of the slaves was the man who could write they lay in the brush by the roadside until late in the morning when the old farm slave came driving to town with the precious fruit for the master what of the farm slave being old and rheumatic and of the slave who could write being stiff and injured from his beating they moved their bodies about when they walked very much in the same fashion the slave who could write put on the other's clothes pulled the broad-brimmed hat over his eyes climbed upon the seat of the wagon and drove on to town the old farm slave was kept tied all day in the bushes until evening when the others loosed him and went back to the slave pen to take their punishment for having broken bounds in the meantime roger vanderwater lay waiting for the berries in his wonderful bedroom such wonders and such comforts there were that they would have blinded the eyes of you and me who have never seen such things the slave who could write said afterward that it was like a glimpse of paradise and why not 
the labor and the lives of ten thousand slaves had gone to the making of that bedchamber while they themselves slept in vile lairs like wild beasts the slave who could write brought in the berries on a silver tray or platter you see roger vanderwater wanted to speak with him in person about the berries the slave who could write tottered his dying body across the wonderful room and knelt by the couch of vanderwater holding out before him the tray large green leaves covered the top of the tray and these the body servant alongside whisked away so that vanderwater could see and roger vanderwater propped upon his elbow saw he saw the fresh wonderful fruit lying there like precious jewels and in the midst of it the arm of tom dixon as it had been torn from his body well washed of course my brothers and very white against the blood-red fruit and also he saw clutched in the stiff dead fingers the petition of his slaves who toiled in hell's bottom take and read said the slave who could write and even as the master took the petition the body servant who till then had been motionless with surprise struck with his fist the kneeling slave upon the mouth the slave was dying anyway and was very weak and did not mind he made no sound and having fallen over on his side he lay there quietly bleeding from the blow on the mouth the physician who had run for the palace guards came back with them and the slave was dragged upright upon his feet but as they dragged him up his hand clutched tom dixon's arm from where it had fallen on the floor he shall be flung alive to the hounds the body servant was crying in great breath he shall be flung alive to the hounds but roger vanderwater forgetting his headache still leaning on his elbow commanded silence and went on reading the petition and while he read there was silence all standing upright the wrathful body servant the physician the palace guards and in their midst the slave bleeding at the mouth and still holding tom dixon's arm and when roger vanderwater had done he turned upon the slave saying if in this paper there be one lie you shall be sorry that you were ever born and the slave said i have been sorry all my life that i was born roger vanderwater looked at him closely and the slave said you have done your worst to me i am dying now in a week i shall be dead so it does not matter if you kill me now what do you with that the master asked pointing to the arm and the slave made answer i take it back to the pen to give it burial tom dixon was my friend we worked beside each other at our looms there is little more to my tale brothers the slave and the arm were sent back in a cart to the pen nor were any of the slaves punished for what they had done indeed roger vanderwater made investigation and punished the two overseers joseph clancy and adolph munster their freeholds were taken from them they were branded each upon the forehead their right hands were cut off and they were turned loose upon the highway to wander and beg until they died and the fund was managed rightfully thereafter for a time for a time only my brothers for after roger vanderwater came his son albert who was a cruel master and half mad brothers that slave who carried the arm into the presence of the master was my father he was a brave man and even as his mother secretly taught him to read so did he teach me because he died shortly from the pick-handle beating roger vanderwater took me out of the slave pen and tried to make various better things out of me i might have become an overseer in hell's bottom but i chose to become a story-teller wandering over the land and getting close to my brothers the slaves everywhere and i tell you stories like this secretly knowing that you will not betray me 
for if you did you know as well as i that my tongue will be torn out and that i shall tell stories no more and my message is brothers that there is a good time coming when all will be well in the world and there will be neither masters nor slaves but first you must prepare for that good time by learning to read there is power in the printed word and here am i to teach you to read and as well there are others to see that you get the books when i am gone along upon my way the history books wherein you will learn about your masters and learn to become strong even as they editor's note from historical fragments and sketches first published in fifty volumes in forty four twenty seven and now after two hundred years because of its accuracy and value edited and republished by the national committee on historical research End of section 11. Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.